you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says, quote, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. That is James 2. Verses 22 through 24. And Bridge Radio is back at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. With another edition of um, Bridge Radio. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of confused about that verse, you know? Don't, don't, don't us Protestants believe that we're justified by faith alone? Mm. Uh, but, but, yeah, solo fide, right? We, we chant that proudly. But um, uh, there in verse 24 it says that we're not justified by faith alone so what do we do about that guys that's why we're doing this podcast that is exactly why we're doing this podcast today we're going to be interviewing craig miller on his book the implications of faith this was released i believe last year i actually got to see some of the guys walking around at g3 and uh it was there that i decided and told myself hey i'm gonna contact uh, mr craig miller and uh dead men stuff and they were gracious enough to uh book and schedule this in so we're very excited but um, but anyway, I uh, before we jump into that, I'm your host Julio Mod Rodriguez, and across from me, you heard him. Shout out Texas, A.W. Vrilla. Hello, everybody. W. What's up, W? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the Presidente, Mr. Steve Dan Hartog. Cayonda mis hermanos y, y mis hermanas. Wow, the president. The president is of the speaking speak Spanish. Spanish. See, and Julio Omar Rodriguez, me. I don't. I don't speak a lick of Spanish. That's terrible because you're brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a brown, brown, and a white dude, and the one that speaks Spanish is the white dude. Yeah. And the other brown dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just trying to fit in. Just, just trying, <laughs> just to, trying fit to fit in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, guys, we're going to be giving a uh, this book. We're going to be giving a, a free one, one copy. If you are uh, fond of the program, you know how to win. Just email me at juliobridgman at gmail.com. Send me your address and drop a review on any of the podcast platforms that we have. That's iTunes, Windows, Google Play, Android, Stitcher Radio. Um, or you could drop a review even on our Bridge Radio app that you could download at all the app stores. So... Please go check that out, and uh, if you're in the community too, um, don't are, don't we have an event? We this, do, this, yeah. This week, I mean, not this week, this uh, coming month. Next, uh, the end of next month, on the 28th and 29th of uh, June, we have Dr. Tim J. R. Trumper from from His Fullness Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, coming down for a seminar, for a little mm. conference right here at Bridge Ministry. So we're wow. going to be talking about the Christian life in Reformed perspective. And uh, are, are we going to record that? Uh, we are, and yeah. We're, and we're going to place it up on what, YouTube? On the or? YouTubes, we're going to place it. Wow, alright, well. It's going to be good. Just to give you a little bit of an overview, we've got uh, Session 1, The mm-hmm. Origins of the Christian Life, The Faith That Saves. Uh, session two, the living of the Christian life, the faith that obeys. Session three, the durability of the Christian life, the faith that perseveres. And the final one, the consummation of the Christian life, the faith that hopes. So it's going to be kind of an all-encompassing worldview from a Reformed perspective. So yeah. I'm that, excited. Yeah, wow, that sounds really exciting. I, I'm, I'm just so happy that we this ministry here is just all about teaching. Yeah. That's what we're I about. mean, that's awesome that Tim Trumper is going to come down here to Laredo. Who, who is Absolutely. Tim Trumper, by the way? For those who he's been on the podcast, yeah, but for podcast. some people who are listening, like, who's this guy? Well, he was a professor at Westminster hmm. uh, Seminary and uh, pastor most recently at Seventh Reformed in Grand Rapids, Michigan, for about ten years, and now he's got uh, ministry from his fullness. He travels mm-hmm. all over the world. He does and, wow. uh, and teaches uh, in places, you know. Where where they don't have access to good uh, theology, wow! And uh, so he'll take uh, you know a week or two and and just teach. So yeah, well we're really blessed that he's coming down here because this yeah. place needs some some good solid theology. We do, <laughs> we do right in up. our in our location. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, also shout out to Lawrence from Northern Ireland. He sent Ireland. me a uh, he sent me an email a what yesterday and uh yeah he just appreciated us can't wait for our 100th episode but i actually brings me to ask the question for our audience who would you like to have on the 100th episode and what topic yeah give some suggestions we're kind of brainstorming that one so and lawrence if you're listening to me i've been to ireland i had a great time so all right guys well (laughs) let's go ahead and start the interview before we do that um please like and share bridge radio with Mm. your family your friends and your cats and dogs All right, Abe, Steve, let's go ahead and kick off this interview. Let's do it. 
Craig Miller lives in Indianapolis, Indiana with his wife, Brittany, where they serve their local church in a lay capacity. He has a Master's of Arts in Theological Studies from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Craig also writes and teaches on a voluntary basis for Dead Men Ministries. Uh, You can find them at deadmenstuff.com. And thank you, Craig Miller, for joining Bridge Radio today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So uh, just to introduce uh, yourself to our audience, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, maybe some hobbies, and most importantly, how God drew you to Saving Faith. Yeah. um, So where I touched on, you know, I've I've got a wife. I've been married for three years. I live in Indiana. Uh, we actually have our first child on the way. She's 25 weeks pregnant, so cool. Uh, a little boy. So we're excited about that. Mm. Um, I'm working right now as a personal trainer, so I've been doing that for about 12 years, and um, also working with a friend who owns a landscape and hardscape company. And so, uh, kind of learning a little bit more how to um, make patios out of pavers and build fences and stuff like that. Um, hobbies. I enjoy obviously working out, sports, um, movies, um, you know, the usual. Mm -hmm, And, um, you know, obviously my driving passion is my relationship with Christ. And so to tell you a little bit more about that and how I came to know the Lord, um, I grew up, I would say I was a Christian, you know, and uh, I believed God, in God, I believe that. you know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but um, grew up attending church. But it was really sort of a nominal Christianity, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believed those things, but I didn't really have an understanding of the gospel message, what it meant for my life. And uh, my life didn't really reflect it. Um, I, I struggled a lot with, um, especially around early high school, with uh, things like depression, anxiety, hmm. uh, pornography addiction, uh, a number of different things like that. And um, really a lack of identity. Um, I, I really cared a lot about um, what people thought of me, hmm. uh, earning people's love and approval uh, through the way I, I acted, dressed, spoke, different things like that. And um, I started to get involved in uh, some some ministries. FCA was one of them at our school that was kind of big. It was kind of like a social club more than anything, but uh, it drew me in. And uh, there's a few the cute girls I was interested in, and I was like, all right, I'll, yeah. I'll go check that out. And, you know, it's kind of the, the popular kids or whatever, and I wanted to right. fit in. So I um, started checking that out and uh, began to hear just elements of the gospel message. I want to say that those meetings were really deep or anything, but, but I was getting bits and pieces. And uh, But what really started to impact me was um, my sister. So it was my freshman year of high school, and she was a senior. And uh, she was more involved with the youth group at our church than I was. And uh, she, every year, every summer, we'd do these uh, domestic mission trips. And um, it's through a company called YouthWorks. And she was like, you got to go. There's so much fun. You know, come with. So I was a freshman in high school. I was like, all right, I'll come check it out. And, uh, you know, had one of those spiritual highs that you often get on right. these week-long mission trips. And really kind of powerful experience. And... Uh, I feel like I was starting to hear the gospel a little mm. bit, a little bit more on this trip, and um, you know, but I was receiving a lot of the uh, in the gospel message that um, you know it's about what Christ has done for me. You, you believe that, and uh, and you're saved. And um, obviously, on on the surface level, we don't unpack that. I do believe that, um, but there was more to it. And so I went back uh, the next couple years, actually, on the same mission trip, and it was my my third summer going, the summer before my senior year of high school, and um, and we're sitting there worshiping one evening on this trip, and I'm like, this is amazing, I love you guys, you know, and, and you know, it's one of those moments where you just like convicted to the core, and mm. uh, God was really showing me that um, every year I would come on these trips and experience a spiritual high, and I would go back, and nothing about my life was different. Uh-huh. Nothing had changed, you know, and that He was calling me not just to to believe, you know, intellectually, but to give my life to him. Yeah. And so it was on that trip that, um, I, I surrendered my life to, to Christ and, um, and, and was committed to following him. And so, um, I got back from that trip and, uh, you know, everything about my life changed pretty radically. <laughs> so I, I got plugged in as many places as I could. 
um, was going to youth group or some sort of uh, church meeting or event like four or five out, nights out of the week. And um, I was reading my Bible, wanting to, and I was in what I call the, the honeymoon season. You know, yeah. it was great. Like God had given me reprieve from the anxiety and the depression and the pornography and all sorts of stuff like that. And I was just learning to love being with him and, and uh, his people and uh, just growing in my knowledge and my understanding. Hmm. And um, so fast forward a little bit to my uh, freshman year of college. I was at Indiana University, not sure what I was called to do, uh, what I was going for vocationally, and uh, felt like God was calling me into youth ministry. And so I transferred to Taylor University uh, in Indiana, small Christian college, and uh, got a degree in Christian education uh, with a youth ministry minor. And uh, But it was during my time there that that honeymoon season started to wear off. And by the time I graduated, I was just you know, spiritually burnt out, um, huh. just, you know, just like I'm not going into ministry. I, I heard some stat that like the average uh, tenure or whatever of a, a youth pastor was like 18 months before burnout. And I was like, wow. I'm already burnt out, you know, <laughs> going and starting <laughs> this thing out. This yeah. isn't going to be good. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, so I was like, what else do I like to do? So that's how the personal training thing uh, came about. But um, the second, you know, I have this part of my story that really, uh, I, I call it a second conversion, uh, but I, I, I don't mean that literally. Mm-hmm, right. And it's just because for a lack of a better word, so I don't believe that, you know, a second conversion is necessary or that that's what occurred. But, um, you know, I'd fallen, uh, pretty hard into, uh, sort of a spiritual depression, um, like I said, just burnt out, apathetic, going through the motions, and uh, and this was a couple years out of college, and just continued to go through the motions, and you know, get in the word, but it was more routine or ritualistic, and and uh, I was reading through uh, Acts eight one night, and um, and I came across a passage and just talking about you know Peter and John, and they're going to the Samaritans because they'd been baptized into the faith, but had not yet received the Holy Spirit, and. Something about that passage just stood out to me. I was like, what do you mean they were baptized in the faith, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit? It's like, so they're Christians, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And granted, at this time, I didn't have seminary education. I didn't know a lot about the context of what's happening. But God really used that verse to uh, show that um, that while I believe that every you know professing Christian has received the gift of the Holy Spirit that uh, we can sort of presume upon the Spirit in a way that we're actually living a spiritless Christianity. And so um, so there I began to just pray that God would um, give me the Spirit and in greater ways and that I would not just presume upon it, that um, I would be aware of it, that I would recognize that you can grieve the Spirit, you can quench the Spirit, you know, or you can fan it into flame, you know. And... Uh, and at that moment, you know, God lit a fire in my heart. And, you know, I didn't do anything crazy charismatic. I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't, you know, <laughs> heal anybody or, you know, anything crazy like that. But You, like, you, didn't, you didn't hit anybody with your jacket? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Okay. okay. But, um, but there was something about that, that point, you know, where my life, like, uh, my faith, like, radically shifted. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And. You know, I, when I would get in scripture, it like started to come alive to me. It's no longer just like reading these words, sort of committing stuff to memory. It was like God was actually transforming me through it. Like He was illuminating the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit uh, was using that to to just transform me and grow me and reveal sin in my life and all these different things. And so uh, that was really this this point of of revival um, in my life, and that began this process of um, God continuing to. Um, I would almost say like deconstruct and reconstruct my entire understanding of what it means to follow Jesus in faith. And Mm -hmm. in a way sort of revealed to me what had happened between that time where I said, you know, Jesus, I surrender my whole life to you, you know, and fast forward six years where I'm just so burnt out and so dry spiritually. And, um, and, and so, you know, that was a, a little bit of a long introduction there, but uh, I didn't want to leave any of that out because the, there's kind of those two moments, that mission yeah. trip, my junior year of high school or after my junior year. And then, you know, that point around the age of 24 years old or so mm-hmm. um, where where God just lit a fire, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and this this passion revival. And 
Um, and so much of the, the book that I wrote, The Implications of Faith, has um, been an overflow of what God has done in my own life, you know, my own testimony. And so in the 10 years since that you know, moment happened, uh, when I was 24 years old, where, where God lit that fire, um, you know, he's really done a lot uh, to, like I said, just sort of reshape my entire understanding of what it means to follow Christ. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so I wanted to share that. That's um, interesting. It's, I, I love hearing I love hearing stories yeah, like that uh, from pe- you know people's testimony simply because I think that the Lord draws everyone to him in a different way you know everybody has a little bit of a different story and it's just interesting to hear uh, how the Lord you know over that period of time drew you to himself you know and uh, so we appreciate that yeah I, I appreciate the transparency too of w- w- who you were before. And just laying it out here, you know, uh, right. as a first-time guest, and you yeah. know, because we have listeners who are probably going through the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like like I said before, I've been reading the implications of faith. I highly recommend uh, this book, and so I'm I'm excited to 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 really dive into it. So, um, I love the introduction, and so can you please talk about Little Danny and how this story aims to illustrate the reason for why you wrote the implication of faith. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the the illustration with little Danny, I'd actually heard in a sermon, and I don't know, you know, when it was, where it was, but something similar to this effect. I've heard a couple different variations about, you know, it, I don't know, sitting on a old crickety chair or something, and you know, it takes faith to trust that it's going to hold you up, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but this illustration in particular really. Uh, it, stood out to me and, and was impactful just because of that relationship between the son and the father. So uh, for those listeners that obviously haven't dug into the book yet, and now that illustration is just simply, you know, this little boy, Danny is standing on the edge of the pool, um, you know, and he's looking into this uh, sparkly blue abyss and all the children's, you know, splashing and shrieking in delight and having fun in the pool. And he wants to get in, but he's scared. He doesn't know how to swim. He's never been in before. And, you know, his dad walks up beside him and it's just like, are you ready to do this son? And you know, little Danny's like, I think so. And so his dad gets in the water and he stands a few feet from the edge and, um, and, and he just sort of beckons to his son, like, you know, jump, I'll catch you. And, and Danny looks at him kind of warily and is like, nah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to jump, you know? And, uh, his dad's like, well, do you trust me? You know? And, Danny nods his head, yeah, and he's like, well, then jump, and uh, Danny shakes his head no again, and so his dad again asks him, do you trust me, and and, and so it goes back and forth, and, and the idea is that, you know, Danny thinks that he trusts his dad, um, but whether or not he jumps will actually uh, reveal whether he truly does or not, you know, because if he believes that um, his dad loves him, you know, has his best interests in mind, and is capable of catching him, then he would jump. You know, and, and this illustration to show like, you know, true faith and, and trust actually like makes itself manifest in, in our actions. Or as I say in the book, our, our actions become the great revealer of what we actually believe. And um, so my motivation for, for writing the book is, uh, you know, one of the things that God showed me first in my own life and then has given me uh, the ability to uh, see in our, our culture here, especially uh, in America and in the church and Christian culture is that, um, We've sort of conflated uh, a cultural understanding of, of the word faith or believe mm-hmm. with a biblical understanding, and I think they're actually different. And so, when we read, you know, the words, uh, you know, believe or, or faith that we're saved by our faith, or you know, we just have to believe. Um, I think we tend to read it through the lens of, of how we understand those words, and um, and I, I think we, we've lost sight of, of a biblical understanding of that word. And, um, and I think to our culture, when you hear those things like, you know, well, it's I have faith or it's my faith or my belief. And a lot of times it just simply mean like we've intellectually ascended to an idea <laughs> yeah. um, and, and sort of a, a mere belief. And, um, and, and I don't think that's what the Bible's talking about. And, and I think that's the case that I'm making in the book and trying to show biblically uh, and, and fairly thoroughly um, why I believe that to be the case. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. And you, you, you wrote, uh, quote, we have come to believe that faith and action can be separated, that mere belief is the precepts of the Christian faith, namely the gospel message, is all that is required for us to be saved. And I love this part. For many of us, this understanding of grace, grace has become a warm blanket assuring us of eternal life. Um, can you unpack a little bit uh, about what, what you mean by all that? Yeah. So um, I don't know if you actually read the prologue. Sometimes people skip over that. But um, in, in the prologue, I, I'm you know, giving a little introduction to myself, but also just setting up this idea of how the meaning of words matter. And if we have the wrong understanding of a word, we can actually find a false security in it. So I give a brief illustration. Just, you know, imagine yourself in this life-threatening situation. um, And, uh, you know, time is running out and you're in communication with the the chief of intelligence. And the chief of intelligence is giving you these step-by-step instructions on what you must do uh, if you want to survive. And, And as he's communicating this, you know, the last thing he says is, you know, and, and last and most importantly, if you want to survive, you must. And then it, the communication just breaks up. You know, you get static. And um, and in that situation, you would uh, know that you were in danger or you would be in danger and you would know it. Um, and I said, well, imagine another scenario where um, the transmission doesn't cut out and you hear the chief of intelligence clearly what he says you have to do. Um, you know, you would feel very secure, right? You would know that. Um, you know, you're in this dire situation, but you have all the instructions necessary in order to be saved. And, uh, and so you would feel secure in that. And then the third scenario, which I say is, I, I think what our issue here um, in the church today is, is um, what if you heard clearly the instructions, but what you thought he meant was different from what the chief of intelligence was trying to communicate? So in that situation, you actually would be in grave danger, but you would think that you were safe. You would, you would feel this sense of security. Um, and, and that's what I mean by we, we've got this um, sort of this false security, this, this warm blanket assuring us that we're, we're saved because of our understanding of, of the gospel message as it's been preached to us. But um, I fear, and, and I think the scriptures are clear, you know, Jesus says that, um, you know, many will cry out, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, away from me, I never knew you. Hmm. And, um, and so there will be people that, uh, that think they're saved, think they believe, and yet will come to find out that, uh, yeah. that their faith, their belief was not what uh, the scriptures had talked about at all. Yeah. yeah. So That's good. So that's why we need to have a, a very clear understanding of what faith is and what it implies, what the implications are for in our lives then. Um, and along those lines, can you tell us, can you talk a little bit about where in Scripture we see that there must be a connection between words and actions, between faith and works? Yeah, and I, and I think it's actually pretty pervasive. You know, you hate to build a whole like, kind of doctrine or theology or idea, write a whole book on just like one isolated passage if you don't have the rest of the context of right. Scripture to support it. But um you know, the most obvious and I think the most well-known would be the book of James. And, you know, in James 2, he says, uh, faith without deeds is dead. Um, and, he, and he gives us illustration, essentially, that if, if uh, your words and your actions don't match, then your, your words are meaningless. So if you come across, you know, someone that's, that's hungry and, and cold and you say, you know, I, I'll pray for you that you, you be warmed and that you be fed, um, but you do nothing yourself to actually meet that need, then your words uh, are meaningless, mm-hmm. assuming that you have the, the ability and the means to meet that sure. need for that person. And he says, so likewise, in the same way, you know, your faith, um, if it doesn't have action to support it, um, then it it's also dead. Yeah. Um, but then he gives a, a really good example from Scripture, uh, which I think is really helpful, and it's it's Abraham. You know, we know that uh, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, um, but James actually draws on the fact that, like, his, um, you know, when he trusted God with his son Isaac, when God asked him to uh, sacrifice his son, when he trusted him and was willing to do that, um, you know, James says, see, he, he trusted God and his actions made his faith complete. 
And so prior to that, this, this intellectual ascent or this mere belief that exists in the ethereal realm is essentially an incomplete faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yes, that aspect, that element's necessary, but you also need the completion of it through the actions that demonstrate that you actually believe what you claim to believe. Um, and then uh, there, there's many more in Hebrews 11. You know, he uh, goes through... Uh, the writer of Hebrews goes through pretty much from, I think he starts with Abel, you know, and says Abel's faith by, you know, his offering, it demonstrated his faith, and uh, it goes to Enoch and, and Abraham and Moses and David and just Rahab and, and pretty much all through these um, biblical examples that we have, these heroes of the faith essentially, um, and ties their faith and their belief to something that they did, to the way that they lived their life that actually supported um, you know, what they claim to believe. Sure. Yeah, that's good. So Craig, for our, for our listeners who are young in their faith and are in Christianity, um, can you, uh, what is a biblical definition of faith? Yeah. So, um, I would say that there is biblically sort of a explicit definition and an implicit definition. So, um, you know, what comes to mind First and foremost is Hebrews 11, 1, where he says, um, you know, faith is the assurance of things, hope for the conviction of things unseen. And so that's one of the few times where in Scripture it just says faith is, and then <laughs> goes on to say what it is. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and so, uh, you know, what he's saying, this conviction of things unseen is essentially like, you know, it's, it's little Danny standing on the edge of the pool and saying, look, I feel scared. <laughs> you know, this is mm-hmm. unknown. I'm not sure what to expect, but my dad, whom I trust, is telling me to do it, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, um, live with this conviction of what I can't see or what I don't feel um, because I trust the one who's calling me to do it. And so, um, you know, it's acting in spite of our emotions, in spite of our desires, in spite of our understanding, you know, but because we believe that God knows something that we don't. But um, and then I think that ties into. I give a definition of my book, and that's sort of the implicit definition when you take all of Scripture and these examples of faith uh, throughout Scriptures and these people that were, were faithful. And I would say that a biblical definition would say that faith you know, is a belief in a truth uh, that then makes itself manifest um, in action. And, um, and, and so, obviously, specifically in the truth, the truth of the gospel message, the truth in Scripture, the truth of the Bible, truth of who God says He is and what He calls us to and how He calls us to live. Um, so it, it's a belief in that that then makes it manifest, itself manifest in um, the subsequent action or the response to that. Yeah. If you could kind of clarify, too, um in, in no way do uh, do our works contribute to the cross. You know, what you're saying, just to be clear, is that it, it pretty much affirms that we do have true saving faith, correct? Absolutely. Um, and, and I love the uh, having the, the avenue of, of a book in, in order to dig into a topic yeah. like this, because uh, you have, I have the reader for 200 pages, and I can appropriately nuance things. And I think oftentimes what happens in partly what has contributed to our issue uh, today is that um, everyone wants stuff in a little Twitter clip, (laughs) you know? Um, And the reality is is that the fullness, uh, to really grasp um, the the fullness uh, and how robust the scriptures are and what what they're calling us to do and how they're calling us to live and how we're to understand faith and all those things, um, it requires some uh, some nuance. <laughs> yeah, know, it does. requires some time and space to really unpack and say, well, this is true, but that doesn't mean that this seemingly opposing truth isn't also true. Right. And so we're saved by grace through faith alone, but faith without deeds is dead. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to say, well, one comes before the other is more important. I think what Scripture is saying, hold those intention. You know, they're intrinsically tied. We can't separate them. There's no universe <laughs> where faith can exist entirely in the ethereal realm without action supporting it. Right. Yeah. If, it if it does, that's not true faith. Yeah. Like, yeah. you may think you believe it, but you don't. <laughs> so. so as we define uh, a faith here, uh, for the Christian, what does faith imply then? Yeah, so uh, real simply, I would just say, you know, faith implies, uh, well, a couple things. First, faith implies that our lives make evident that which we claim to believe. 
And so specifically for the Christian, uh, faith implies that we um, respond to Jesus' invitation, not just to intellectually ascend, but to follow him in really life-altering discipleship. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's good. I, I've heard faith broken down into kind of three different categories. There's noticia, and then a census, and then fiducia, which is kind of the all-in faith. You know, I believe what the gospel is, has said, and so I'm going to follow. And I think that's that's what you're you're talking about here. If I'm correct, it's that it's that faith that uh, has no reservations that follows completely because you believe completely what uh, the gospel has said. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was saying that uh, you know, there's no such thing as half-hearted discipleship or discipleship on my own terms. Sure. And and I think when we uh, communicate sort of a caricature of grace. Sometimes we communicate the idea that you can sort of uh, put on this new self without putting off the old self, without a, um, a, a repentance, a surrender, sort of a resolving to uh, follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And, you know, the beauty of grace is that we can resolve all day that we're going to do that and we're going to fall short and we're going to mess up. And, yeah. and grace is right there, you know, to cover us and to bridge those gaps of our imperfect faith and um, Jesus is the perfecter of our faith, but um, but if you don't start out your your faith journey with that, where right. you say I'm all in, like I surrender control right. of um, of my life, <laughs> then um, I you know it's my conviction that I, I don't believe that that is a saving faith at that point. Right. Yeah. And, that's I, and, good. I, and I think that's why Paul always you know he he he, he begins his epistles you know and says that I'm a doulas, I'm a slave mm. for Christ, you yeah. know. And, and and that's pretty huge right there, you know, yeah. because the the implications of what a bond servant looks like looks like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You even have Romans one where it says that we are to bring out the obedience of faith. It's not that, um, yeah, it's not that your good works brings your faith. No, yeah. it's the opposite. It's that your faith brings out obedience. And then you also have other passages where uh, Christ saved us unto good works. So you have kind of that that picture. Um, so in regards to Christians walking in faith, you wrote, quote, but this is no minor endeavor for although grace is a gift freely offered to all who believe, this grace is not cheap and belief is not without cost, uh, unquote. Can you unpack uh, what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the key uh, verses that I reference multiple times throughout the book is in Matthew 16, uh, verses 24 through 25. And Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever wants, or whoever loses life for me and for the gospel will save it. And so, um, I mean, that's pretty heavy statement right there. You know, yeah. that sounds like a lot more than just, you know, merely believe that I did this thing for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, as right. great as the thing is, and as, you know, as thankful as you may be in your heart that he did the thing, um, there's an invitation there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so uh, another passage that's really powerful is uh, Luke 14, and he actually tells us to count the cost of following him. Uh, before we do so and he gives the examples of like a builder or um you know a a army general or king that that's going to go to war and saying look like you don't start a building a building until you um have counted the costs and know that you can actually complete it otherwise you'll get halfway done run out of money and kind of look foolish because there'll be this half-built building or you know you don't go to war without kind of counting the cost like you know what's the going to be the the sacrifice how many lives are going to get lost can we actually win? Are we going to be losing these lives for nothing? That sort of thing. Um, and so you analyze the situation, you count the cost. And, um, you know, when Jesus has invited other people throughout uh, the Gospels to follow after him, you know, he says things like, look, like uh, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you can follow me, but it, it's going to cost you your comfort. You know, right. It's going to cost you your security. It's going to cost you these things. And um, and then in Luke 14, he goes on to say, you know, whoever doesn't hate his mother and brother and fathers and sisters and spouse and own children is not fit to be my disciple. In fact, you know, whoever doesn't essentially renounce all that they have um, is not fit to be my disciple. And 
Uh, first, I think it's important to clarify that hate there is not like harboring this disdain in, <laughs> in yeah. our hearts towards those people, but it's a measure of comparison. And right. saying, essentially, as far as the heavens are above the earth, like so ought your allegiance and your loyalty to me be above those other relationships. So mm-hmm. if there's ever a point where, you know, you, you come to this fork in the road where you have to either, you know, love and serve your family in this way by, you know, compromising what God has called us to do. He's saying, there's no question. Like you obey me, you follow me, you honor me, you glorify me. Like, you know, your family relationships aren't a little asterisk or caveat that you can, you know, put next to walking in faithful obedience. And so, um, so there's this real weight to it. I mean, there, there is a cost, but, uh, you know, what I love is, uh, you know, he gives an illustration. He says the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, man who comes across a, a treasure in this field. And mm-hmm. in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has um, so that he can buy the field. And yeah. and so it's like it costs him literally everything he has. Right. But he gains immeasurably more, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the idea. Like it, it costs you your life. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Yeah. Um, and you don't take up your cross uh, unless you're going to die. <laughs> and uh and I'm sure you know, that... one of the guys that I was pretty powerfully influenced by, um, and, uh, you know, really more than anything, it gave me, uh, some, some language to really articulate what God had been doing in my heart and the convictions he'd brought me, but this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer mm-hmm. in the cost of discipleship. And, mm-hmm. uh, he has this famous line where he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I fear that we're not preaching the come and die part that we're mm. um not preaching the cost um we're preaching this free gift of grace but without an yeah, understanding God. that like it's not discipleship on your terms so you don't just believe and follow jesus according to your own self-will as you continue yeah. to hold the reins of your life like you you've given up the control he has a great uh, chapter a great section in that book on cheap grace which i think is exactly what you're talking about mm. that uh it's easy yeah to take the grace and just go on with life, but not realizing what it cost our Savior to, uh, to save us and the, uh, the uh, commitment that, in turn, our faith should have, what it should look like in our own lives to follow him. Yeah, especially especially the time that we're living in right now, mm-hmm. where uh, we want to have one foot in and one foot out right. and think that's okay. And as Greg has talked about, like, people were given up their life for till this day yeah. are all of, uh, different parts of the world who are dying for Christ but even in the uh, early churches they're sacrificing their own lives because of Jesus's and and I feel like we are in in this time and especially in western society where you know like you said it's just cheap grace like we're here mm. it's okay like you know we don't I don't need to give up all these other things for Christ and, and I can I can claim that I have faith in Christ and follow him and yet have no absolutely no change in you know the things that I I look at on the internet the movies that I go to the mm-hmm. music I listen to mm-hmm. you know my language yeah affections yeah yeah and even even more so in today's cult like what Abe was talking about I mean being a Christian it's it's not it's not easy and it's not supposed to be easy no. a, at all I mean once you adhere to Christian Orthodox faith, I mean, as it is from Scripture, and you obey that, you are going to come up against a brick wall, yeah. and it's not going to be fun. And Christ warned about it in, in the New Testament. I mean, even with the the whole you know abortion that's going on here in our country, yeah. I mean, there is a building up. Um, it, things are going to start boiling over pretty soon, yeah. and the Christians are the ones who are. Yeah. pushing it and it's great and, that what's going on with the, with the abortion bills and these um uh, uh states that are, are rallying behind other states and, and and trying to pass i mean that is great but i still think that yeah. we're gonna see just a extreme extreme just persecution on christian when we, we see things change because of what's happening now but yeah we'll see well there's gonna be a, a line drawn in the sand i think yes you know, and, and we've been talking you gotta about decide that. which side you're gonna stand on yeah yeah and any thoughts on that craig yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, this part of me that actually like thinks that'll be a good thing, you know, this oh, line yeah. in the sand, right? You yeah. know, it was a decade ago, maybe two, and it was uh, socially beneficial to align yourself with Christianity for mm. the most part, right? right? Mm. Um, you know, that wasn't frowned upon by the majority of, of culture. Yeah. Um, 
and and it's really taken a shift recently and so um but you still have a lot of people holding on to this and and there's a lot of syncretism you know essentially kind of combining the christian faith with the beliefs of the world and making them coexist in in such a way where it you know it you can you can have your cake and eat it too essentially like you can have your you can have your christ and have your sin too you right can now. you know it in indulge in the world okay. uh, think the way that the world thinks about different social issues different things like that and uh and, and still hold on to your jesus but i i think that um that cultural christian the time for that is is coming to an end because i do think that it uh, some of these issues are so polarizing and it is going to be a line in the sand and yeah. persecution is going to be so great for the christian that um there will be an obvious cost um it, and Greg, are you, are you think, uh, do you think you'll be surprised of the Christians that claim to be Christian and when this line is drawn are going to be essentially denying Christ? Yeah. Or a false Christianity. Or a false sure. Christianity, yeah. What do you think? Of- yeah. I mean, surprise, I, I think that there will... There will be people that, you know, you thought, like, okay, their their faith seemed genuine. I'm mm-hmm. a little surprised that they'd be willing to abandon it, you know, yeah. over these issues or whatever it is. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that I wrestle with in writing this is um, how do you communicate something that so powerfully affected you mm-hmm. like this in a way that doesn't come off as, you know, self-righteous or as if I'm like some sort of gatekeeper that can say who's sure. in and who's out yeah. because I'm – you know, I, I'm not claiming that I don't want to, you know, a lot of this flows out of like me identifying the plank in my own eye before, yeah. you know, I was able to speak on this is 10 years in the making of God just working in my life and showing me all these things where yeah. there's a, a disconnect between what I'm claiming to believe and how I'm living my life. And, um, but I, I do firmly believe the scriptures and, and, you know, where it says that, um, really the, the, the path <laughs> and, and the gate leading to, to life is is narrow and few will enter and sure. um the, in the same way this path and this gate leading to uh destruction is wide and many will enter and so um so i don't think that um it's not my place to say but um you know i think god has been faithful to always keep sort of a remnant yeah. <laughs> um, of the church uh, mm-hmm. the true church uh, within every culture and in society throughout the history of the church and um but there's been a lot of uh, cultural Christianity and a lot of uh, apostasy in one way or another, even for people that still identify as uh, as Christians. Christians um, yeah. And I think that comes with sort of, uh, you know, we've got second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth, tenth generation uh, Christians, and it's sort of become almost this thing where, like, you can be you now you can be like ethnically uh, Jewish, <laughs> uh, but not <laughs> yes. believe but the yeah. religion. You can wow. almost yes. be like ethnically christian like yeah. a lot born mm-hmm. into a family that's christian no oh, absolutely but, um, yeah. but that means nothing more than you know, i may do a few things that i've held onto out of those traditions i may occasionally go to church or say i believe or or you know even god's gun america like type of <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like you know um belief but uh but not really uh right. you know true conversion being a new creation uh, in christ yeah, and, and I think I, I would really like to kind of hang here for a second and talk about how, how is it that we can, like, protect ourselves as Christians for not having this sort of gatekeeper mentality in that, hey, he's not saved, and, well, that person's saved, and, like, because we are kind of talking about uh, faith and works, and some yeah. of that could be really conflated and could be very distorted, and someone could take it, and all of a sudden they're pulling out their, like, Calvinist sword. And, well, yeah, because you know. even the Bible says you'll know them by the fruits, but yes. you're absolutely right. We don't want to be the, we those people. We definitely want to be balanced, yeah. yeah, and this conversation could come off that way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I actually have a whole chapter called Doctrinal Pharisees <laughs> uh, towards the back of the book as I talk about some of the enemies of faith. And one of the things I've noticed as I've um, been around the, you know, part of the reform circles in the last uh, several years is um, this doctrinal Pharisee that, um, that that has all the, the right theology and, you know, I'm Calvinist and all these different things, and yet doesn't actually demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. And so they're really harsh and abrasive and unloving and, you know, in the truth that they're speaking. And um, and, and I think that that's something we all need to be <laughs> careful of yeah, for sure, sure um, is, uh, uh, you know, in this issue. And I, and I don't really know how we protect ourselves other than just like, 
I, I think the most important thing, one of the things I talk about in Scripture, is there's a distinct difference between knowing information about God and knowing God intimately. Yeah. You know, and the one you can do in a classroom and, and by studying and, and by reading and, and knowledge is important, and it's a part of this other that I'm going to talk about. But um, but to have intimacy, you have to spend time <laughs> in relationship. Yeah. You know, and I think unless we're drawing close to the presence of God, um, you know, through the disciplines of the faith that he's given us, not in a legalistic way, but in a way that's like, God, I just want to sit in your presence. Like, mm. you know, we lost the ability, and part of that's with the technology and everything like that. We lost the ability to be still, Great. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. to, to just sit and be introspective and reflective and actually give space that the Holy Spirit might convict us, you know, in our hearts and speak through us. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're fitting in our Bible reading on our phone, you know, while we're on the toilet or something right. like that, instead of, <laughs> you know, this time that's set apart and said, look, like, um, most important part of my day and really probably the greatest thing bought by the cross for me is that, um, I, I actually have access to God <laughs> in relationship now, right. you know, I, I've been redeemed and restored in my relationship that was broken. Uh, with God, and I get to spend time with Him. And it's when we spend time with Him like that that I believe that our hearts are continually softened, you know, and changed, and sin is revealed to us. And honestly, if we're not living a life of repentance, if sin isn't continually being revealed to us in a way that breaks us, where grace washes over us anew, yeah. you know, um, and reminds us that it's only by, by His grace that we're saved, um, then I think we will get puffed up by that knowledge and <laughs> yeah. and we, we will become the gatekeeper and try to say who's in and who's out. And um, ironically in ourselves, or in that we'll end up condemning ourselves because the Bible tells us that, you know, by what measure we judge others, we ourselves are going to be judged. So mm-hmm. um, I like having the forum of, of a book or, you know, that's something you can preach from the pulpit where you're not speaking you're speaking to every individual, but without like separate, separating them or attempting to and saying, you know, you're a Christian, you're not, <laughs> you know, you are, you're not. Like we can preach this warning, we can preach, um, you know, th- this truth to repent, you know, to surrender, um, and all these things, but without, uh, without bringing it to sort of that. I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah examining everybody's life around me and and trying to decide what that line is like oh did they show enough faith or you know is there um have they fought enough sin in their life or did they sin one too many times you know that's all very dangerous uh area to go sure no and i completely understand where you're coming from with regards to uh knowing the lord intimately personally i heard one pastor say once that we can know the word of god without knowing the god of the word and there's a difference mm-hmm. there, you know. Um, knowing who God is uh, intimately requires spending time with Him, getting off of our devices, you know, and spending time alone with Him yeah. every day, you know, in His Word and in prayer. And uh, so that only happens through through a dedication, through you know, a discipline of time with Him. Um, mm-hmm. Not that it's a work, but it requires a a, a desire on our mm-hmm. part and a discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Absolutely. Yeah, so Craig, I just wanted to uh, to ask for somebody who would pick up a copy of your book, Implications of Faith. What would you want them to walk away with? What's kind of the the big picture, the top thing that you'd want them to walk away with? I mean, I could use Bonhoeffer and say, "When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die." And that is a great Spurgeon. quote. I was actually going to use yeah. that until you you brought it up. <laughs> he beat you to it. Um, Spurgeon has a really good quote, too, where he says, you know, if Christ is not everything to you, he's nothing to you, um, that he'll never go in partnership but being a part savior of men, mm. you know. And so if he's not everything, he's nothing. And, sure. uh, and and so I think that's really powerful, too. And that's kind of the big idea, again, bringing it back and saying, like, um, this idea that w- we can follow Jesus but not yet be ready to give him control of our lives or, you know, not yet be willing to— surrender this part of our lives or that, um, and just have this discipleship on my own terms is really not a biblical understanding of faith or discipleship. And, um, I believe that, um, that any sort of faith or belief without true repentance, without surrender, without reorienting the entire trajectory of our life around following Jesus, um, is, is not uh, a saving faith. It's not conversion. It's not, (laughs) um, you know, becoming a, a new creation in Christ. Right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's so. great. 
All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and land this plane on this podcast. Uh, and as always, we always like our guests to share the gospel before they go. Uh, we understand that the sharing of the gospel is the means by which uh, people are drawn to saving faith. And so if you could do that, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with the gospel, I like to start with really God's intent in creation. And um, just to know that like we were created by God. Um, we were created for God to be in intimate relationship with God. And that's what existed in the garden before Adam and Eve disobeyed God by, by taking the other fruit. And, um, and when they did d- disobey God, uh, they were rejecting him and his position um, as God in their lives. And um, the Bible tells us that we are all guilty of this, um, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, um, and that we're all going to stand in judgment Um at the end of uh, at the end of our lives, we're going to stand in judgment uh, for our sins. And Bible also tells us that the wages of sin uh, is death. Mm-hmm. And um, so you have this sobering reality that you you have to wrestle with is that we're we're all lawbreakers, we're all sinners, and we're all deserving of this condemnation of this death. Um, but uh, but God is he's just and he, he's holy and he hates sin and he has to punish it. Um, but he's also loving. And uh, in Romans 5, 8, I believe, uh, tells us that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, uh, Christ died for us. Yeah. And, and that kind of brings me to probably my favorite uh, verse uh, in, in all scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, um, where it says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Amen. And, and, and the theologians call this the great exchange um, and, and so, so God sends His Son, who's perfect, who's this Lamb without blemish, who has no sin, um, to be the sacrifice in our place. So when He's up there on that that cross, um, and God's looking down on Him with sword raised, you know, to pour out His wrath for the punishment of the world's sins, He's looking at His Son, and He's no longer seeing His Son; He's seeing our sin, um, and He pours out His wrath and punishes. Um, Jesus in our place, and he does it so that we can actually receive the inheritance and the reward that Jesus had earned um, through his faithfulness uh, as a son of God. And so um, in John chapter 1, I believe, um, you know, it says that uh, to all who did believe, you know, he gave the right to become uh, sons and daughters uh, of God. And um, and, and that's the gospel message is yes. that... Uh, you know, we've been safe, but saved by grace through faith alone. It's a gift of God, uh, not what uh, we can earn through our works um, so that we can't boast. But uh, uh, really, Jesus, he took our place. Um, he took the sins we deserved. And um, if we would put our faith in him, and we talked a lot about the word faith today, but if we would put our faith in him and believe in him in a biblical sense, um, uh, we get that right to become sons and daughters and have eternal life with him. Yeah, that's pretty cool Amen. that we are going to have eternal life. <laughs> sons and daughters <laughs> of God. Yeah. That, I mean, just let that sink in. Yeah, Craig, the, we're, we're going to be hanging out in God. heaven. Yeah. Amen. We're going to be hanging out in heaven and on this earth for <laughs> no, sure. That's what's up. Forever. That's big forever. Big celebration. Oh, yeah. And yeah. y'all can show me your dance moves. <laughs> <laughs> but, by the way, the, obviously we don't have cameras yet, but whenever you quoted Steve's favorite verse in all of the Bible, he literally just like fist bumped in the air. And yeah. yeah, the great, the great exchange. Change, yeah. yeah. Second, second I, I think that's the question because at my university there was no dancing a lot. You think there'll be dancing at this big wedding banquet in heaven? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I'm gonna do the moon, I'm gonna be doing the moonwalk in heaven. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm Dutch. I'm the frozen chosen, so I, I can't do that. I'm gonna. Uh, my wife made. But, but you're gonna be perfect, so you're gonna like. Yeah, you're gonna be able to, man. You're gonna have like an eight pack because we're all, you know, you know, just like yeah. Like, MC it. Hammer. MC. Yeah. I, I always tell people in the new creation, you can find me in South Texas on a horse. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, Craig, uh, it was such a pleasure to have you on. We definitely. Have to have you back on, especially if you if you write a, a book because that's what we're all about. And uh, for our audience, uh, you could pick up uh, Craig Miller's book on Amazon uh, in the description podcast description. We have the Amazon Smile link for Bridge Ministry, yep. um, and or you could also pick up a copy at Bridge Ministries if you're in the community. Um, but Craig, uh, where also can they find the book and where can they contact you? Yeah, uh, Amazon uh, right now is is the main place to get it, and so. Um, 
we've been blessed enough to be able to get it on there. And so if you just type in um, the implications of faith uh, in in the search on Amazon, you can pick it up there. And then um, I have an email at craig at deadmanstuff.com. And then that email is also inside uh, the front cover of the book and then also in the about the author section. And you can reach out to me that way. Um, also, uh, if you have social media, I, uh, I don't uh, currently went ahead and deleted all my accounts mm. um but uh but if you do you can follow a deadman so mm-hmm. at deadman or at deadman stuff i'm actually not sure the exact handle <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, on that but yeah. um you follow them and um, i'm friends with the the guys that run that and so if you want to reach out try to get a hold of me that way uh i'll get back to you then too yeah cool. that's how i got a hold of you so were you <laughs> at g3 by the way yeah, you were, yeah, man. But- I, I was there. I was there at G three, and I saw y'all's booth, and I was like, I'm gonna go and talk with them. But I just, I, I wasn't feeling well at the conference. But next time, man, next time I go, we'll next talk. Year. Yeah, that was a great time. That was a great conference. It was. It was. All right. Well, thank you so much again, and uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. yeah thank you guys. Appreciate thank you, Craig. It. Thank you, Craig. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a rapidy rapidy, huh? That's that's <laughs> it. That was a good podcast. That, that was, was really excellent. Good. Yeah, that was really good. That was great. Uh, a lot, lot to um, definitely digest there, and I just recommend everyone to pick up the book. It's actually really good. The introduction's solid, and mm. uh, I haven't gotten through all of it, but even Steve was really saying he liked a lot of the, the one of the chapters that he was reading about, about oh, letting down your letting down your tablets and technology, people, young folks. Yeah. Letting down your tablets, and uh, <laughs> you know the implications. If we claim, if we ca- if we claim to believe, you know, what does that mean for our lives? So. Yeah. It's a great reminder for myself, especially I'm always on a computer and on my phone, for sure. <laughs> oh, we waste so much time, don't we? We do. Yeah. We do. Those <laughs> video games. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop ranting. I'll stop ranting. Anyway, all right, guys. Well, we are Bridge Ministries. We are a Reformed Christian bookstore. Yes. And coffee shop. And, and coffee, coffee shop. shop. And teaching ministry. We're yes. all of those three things, and we're out of the great state of Texas. Texas. <laughs> and uh, we would just like for you to come alongside us, support us. Yes. Uh, we uh, we hold a lot of conferences, uh, especially this year. Uh, we have Bible studies. We have Bridge Radio that yeah. reaches not only our local community, but internationally as well. So just pr- please prayerfully consider supporting us in the podcast description mm. or on our website. You could find our, our giving. Uh, actually, in the podcast description, you could it says bridge giving you could click there and it's going to send you right to the link even if it's five ten bucks yeah, it, it, anything, it helps out it helps. anything it all 50 helps. cents 50, 50 cents. cents any 25 cents a penny guys like we 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 just give you thanks because yeah, we do i mean uh, people support us and and, and we want to give thanks to them and and soon here we're going to be making uh, just an announcement because we are in a very sm- really super small facility, <laughs> yes. and and we are going to need your help to come alongside uh, the ministry and help us out, and so that we can grow. Because yeah. uh, uh, you guys don't know this, but we we do this little podcast in a very tiny spot, and <laughs> yes. we praise the Lord mm-hmm. that He has provided yeah. all right. this and put this. Uh, but you know we are outgrowing this uh, facility. Yeah. So, um, hopefully, we'll have a video and stuff out, and and, and, and you'll be able to share. Please share with your friends. Yeah. You know, soon. And, and 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 partner up with us. Yeah. We would love it. We would appreciate it because we have so much that uh, we can do yet in this community, and uh, not just in this community, but throughout Southwest Texas and Mexico. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're it, we're not just in the U.S. here. No. Yeah. You know, we're right next door to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. And so we have a lot of opportunity to reach the nations for Jesus Christ, and that's yeah. what we want to do. And we are doing it. We are. We've our, been doing it. We've been doing. It. I mean, I, 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 we were just talking this morning, and people that are listening to our podcast, like, like who, like who's listening? to us in Iraq <laughs> like <laughs> Ethiopia or Ethiopia so someone's waking up in the morning yeah, eating their oatmeal just yeah. Listening to us, I don't yeah, know. So, so thank you very much. Yeah. God is good. So. Yeah, and I also do want to make another thing clear. It just in in our community, there's it's heavy prosperity gospel, word of faith, Roman Catholicism. Just to give some context down here, there's not a lot of conservative, Orthodox, Reformed Christian teaching. Yeah, and to put really something else into a more perspective, the Reformation never made it into South Texas into South America. It, it is this combination of quasi quote unquote Protestantism um, that is mixed in with Roman Catholicism, and it's really confusing. And yeah. a lot of people don't see that. A lot of people maybe might be up north, might even be blessed and take it for granted that you have these resources. People down here don't, 
And so this is kind of the fight that we are leading yeah. is to bring the Reformation and Bridge Ministries. Our aim is to be the conduit yeah. to bring the Reformation here in our community and out into South America. Only bookstore and coffee shop in South Texas is reformed. Yep, yep, yep. All right, guys. Well, as always, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll see you on the next one. Later. Later. Later.